Big Sloth. Oh, my Jesus. Are you okay? What? Do you have the file? Once again. Here's what you've been doing, Jack. Spy shit? This is it. You're a spy. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> 007 of Plainfield, New Jersey. Very nice. McLean, shut up. Take it easy, I job. I'm on vacation. Your mom will be pleased. You thought you were doing drugs or something. Mr. Komarov. Or selling drugs, but that was me, really. again i'm joel murphy and i'm andy mcintyre and this is silver linings playback the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining and have we got a doozy for you all this week yeah a perhaps our our lowest rated <laughs> film i think it's rocking a 15 percent on rotten I tomatoes think, i think jaws the revenge has zero percent oh in honesty oh um but uh, can, either way, I still think that that movie is better than this movie. I was going to watch them in close proximity. Yeah, having watched them in close proximity, and that was last week's show. Uh, if, if you missed it, but I think a good question is which plot is more realistic: the idea of a great white shark stalking one particular family across the globe, <laughs> or the fact that John McClane's son is a you know double agent operative whatever he's doing in this movie who can also uh, be found by john mcclane like doing a half-assed attempt to track him down yeah um i'm still gonna have to give the nod to believability to uh the movie we're talking about this week which is a good day to die hard as we continue our uh deep cut sequels i guess is what we're calling this this theme yeah uh, but part four or greater this is the fifth die hard movie a good day to die hard yeah the die hard movies which increasingly uh the titles got perplexing they they it was die hard and then logically die harder and then die hard with a vengeance which actually made a lot of sense in terms of the plot the plot and then we got Live free or die hard, which is just a license plate. That's a state motto. That it's you a just, state motto. That, and then that a is good also, day to die hard. It's a state motto, but yet the, <laughs> the film takes place in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and then a good day to die hard, which sounds like a James Bond film. Yeah. It, ugh. Man, this movie sucks. Um, it's not good. So I, I'm going to do the thing that you did last week which is i'm going to start by saying that die hard is uh perhaps the greatest action movie ever made and it is one of my favorite films of all time i watch the original film die hard every year around christmas time because i love it so much and because it's so good yeah die hard is i mean you want to talk about a movie that thematically changed the game for action movies yeah. Uh Die Hard is is that movie. It um they've made so many like knockoffs and remakes and Well that became it became a shorthand that, you know, speed has been described as Die Hard on a bus. Like that that was the 
you know, easy way to pitch your movie to a studio was to say it's Die Hard in various location. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's so how popular. Basically, any movie with a regular run of the mill cop in an extreme situation with, uh, which is also a high octane thrill ride, as they often like to say about these types of movies. But yeah, Die Hard on a bus, you know, Speed 2 Cruise Control is Die Hard on a boat. Um, it's also yeah. speed on a boat, so it's it's. A it's lot also of... speed on a so it's double dipping, <laughs> but not on um, a speedboat. No, not a, <laughs> a a cruise liner that are notoriously slow moving. Yes, but yeah, Die Hard also. I mean, there's a, so much. I mean, this is not a you know we don't find the silver lining of a beloved, uh, universally praised action film, but but Die Hard. I think it almost gets overlooked for how good it is. That script is really tight. Like it's if you're into like hero's journey stuff, John McClane's journey is pretty perfect. It it wisely as much as it all is about action, it's really an emotional story about, you know, a marriage falling apart and the, you know, the couple reconciling that not to mention the fact that it has one of the finest performances of one of the most memorable villains in any action movie. Uh, and you know, also Alan Rickman and I believe it is his first on screen role. If not, like it's definitely one of his first. It's one of his because he'd done a lot of uh, theater work in England. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think it's one of his first, and it was at he was at the age of forty six. Yes. Uh, so there's still time for us. Yep. Yeah. We got we were we got a little bit to go, and then we're gonna we're gonna be a bunch of Alan Rickmans. That's yep. It. Um. But yeah, no. This we could. I'm sure there are plenty of podcasts that either exclusively praise Die Hard or at various points have praised the original Die Hard. It is, there's not, nothing is wasted in the movie. Like everything works. Um, they do great jobs of giving you chances to catch your breath. Uh, the action is phenomenal. Uh, the B stories are great. The the ancillary characters, um, everything about it is great. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the, I mean, so right off the bat, because this might be hard going this week, a silver lining is that it reminded me how much I love Die Hard. So we got that for sure. Yeah. Um, I will also go ahead and state I enjoy Die Hard with a Vengeance a lot. I don't think it's as good as Die Hard, but it's it's solid and it's fun. And it is a movie that growing up, uh, it would be on HBO a lot and I would watch at whatever you know, part of it, it was on. Uh, I think that movie's really good. I'll even go out on a limb and say that Live Free or Die Hard, while not a good movie, is a watchable movie elevated by a fantastic performance by Timothy Oliphant and uh, also elevated by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, which unfortunately... I don't feel like she was able to elevate this film through no fault of her own, except for the fact that she was given nothing to do. Um, but that movie's really great. I really like the end of that. It's not really great. I really like no. the end of it, and it's infinitely watchable. And compared to this movie, it, you know, this movie makes that movie look like the original Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. The, um, yeah, Live Free or Die Hard is... It's watchable. It's fun. Like, Maggie Q is good. I will always sing the praises of Justin Long. I think he's delightful. Mm -hmm. um, I like him. 
you know, Kevin Smith is not insufferable in his cameo. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's fun and fine. Yep. Um, and is still a diehard movie. Yeah. I think it does a good job. So, well, there's also, so we can get into something that I think is the flaw in that there was unavoidable because Die Hard, the original movie is about a guy who's in, you know, and they even say it in this movie, but it's like, he's in the wrong place at the right time or the, the wrong, well, however you, yeah. but it's like, he's accidentally at a place that he, no one expected him to be. It, it shouldn't be a situation that is replicated. And so by the time you get to the fifth one, you're in the, like John McClane is not the same person anymore because now he can't, because now he's, a comic book action hero like he's a cartoon man like because he's lived through five improbable situations instead of just one you know where well, and i think they do a good job like the first one is obviously it's just brilliant in that he's like there just so happens to be this sort of super cop um deeply flawed super cop but like resourceful yeah. you know intelligent everything uh while these guys uh, decide to rob Nakatomi Tower under the guise of a terrorist attack. Yep. And he's, then he's the fly in the ointment, the monkey in the wrench. Yeah. He's, you know, all of it. Yeah. He puts the spring in Springfield. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the uh, the second one is the exact same plot, but at an airport. Yeah. The second one is utterly forgettable because they just made the same movie again. Yeah. Complete um, with bringing back... Uh, the Ghostbusters Walter Peck guy. Uh, yeah. To to once again be the foil. You know, like he's a villain again. I mean, that guy, he's just... You want to talk about people having punchable faces. Yeah. William Atherton has got a punchable face. Yeah, no, he... I mean, between He Die found Hard, his niche and, and owned it. Die Hard in Ghostbusters, two iconic movies that he is the guy that deserves to be punched in the face. And does get punched in the face by Holly Gennaro hyphen McLean. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and then, like, I thought Die Hard 3 did a good job of... How does John McClane get wrapped up in this? Oh, this guy's doing it to get revenge. So we think, but yeah. he's actually just doing it to steal stuff. But at the same time, yeah, it's like they they addressed the problem of why John McClane would be involved in this again, which is it's the brother of Hans Gruber making him be involved. Right. Yeah, that works. Um, And then the fourth one, I don't remember how John McClane got wrapped up in it. He, I, I do. Because like I said, I, I've seen the movie, but he's supposed to transport Justin Long from New York to D.C. And it, like, it's supposed to just be a like, you know, chauffeur kind of thing. And then because people are trying to kill Justin Long, he's, he gets swept yeah. up into the whole everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then so this movie, there's even a scene where uh Jay Court or Jack Jai Court and Jay Courtney, who plays uh, Jack McClane, John McClane's son, um, and him have a discussion. It's like, you know, do 
do bad situations find you or do you go looking for them? In this movie, he 100% went looking for it. Yeah, and I think that was the first of many mistakes this movie made is it forgot that the formula kind of revolves around John McClane kind of stumbling into these situations by making him way too proactive <laughs> in that like it's openly he's been looking for Jack. Uh, it also, I'm just going to address this now because I, I need to vent about it at some point, but the whole, you know, I'm on vacation joke is nothing. It's not a joke, but like, it, like that's their attempt at like a funny through line in the movie, but it also, it's very much not true. No, he absolutely like he heard his son got in some trouble because his son was some double agent undercover. But CIA was also operative. I presumably using his real name because that's how he finds him. I didn't understand th this bit of like, again, he's a he's a super agent, but he's not using an alias and New York cops can just find his whereabouts. Well, John McClane can. Oh, but it's not even John because it's like a friend of his is like, yeah, I, it, I found it, it. It all makes no sense. Yeah. Um, and then like the other thing is the other thing that's sort of a hallmark of the Die Hard movies is um, the villain is trying to do one thing. But that's a it looks like he's trying screen. to do one thing, but he's actually just trying to steal stuff. Yeah, it's it, whatever his stated plan is a smokescreen for the fact that he's just trying to get money. Right. Yeah. Um, and that is not the case at all in this one either. It, it does. There's like a twist, but. Yeah, there's a villain. Well, there's a lot of twists in this movie. Uh, but yeah, the, the villain's stated goal turns out to not actually be what they're trying to do. They have a different plan. Yeah. Um, and this guy who's like clearly made out to be the villain. And then you think, well, maybe he's not the villain, but then he is the villain. Yeah. It, it, and it's, it's just all nonsensical. Um, and also, by the way, I, you think about, so when trying to sort of, it felt like a lot of times this movie was trying to do homages or references or whatever you want to call them to the original film. Which, by the way, I do think uh, I'm not going to keep talking about uh, Live Free or Die Hard, but I think that movie actually did it better. Like the the things that were sort of callbacks or whatever. But in this movie, th there's a part where one of the villains that turns out not to be the most important villain when he he's captured John and Jack and he's giving a a classic stall for time villain speech to allow them to escape. He Actually, he's a Russian guy, and he says, "Do you know what I don't like about Americans? Everything." And I was like, "What is that? Like that's versus like that's supposed to, I think, invoke Hans Gruber's fantastic speech about like Americans all think they're cowboys, and the guy even mentions cowboys at some point, just because yeah. we have to set us up for our yippee ki yay like catchphrase, but like it." it it's so lazy that he didn't even, you know what? I hate everything. I'm not even going to write a speech. I'm not going to bother to think of any, like anything, you know, you and I, again, like we've talked about that. We do improv, like specificity, pick a thing that you don't like about America. It doesn't even matter what it is. Like, I mean, I honestly, though, I'm thinking right now and I can't think of any reason to hate America or Americans. So no, especially I get, I get, I get the script writer, skip more. I get it. 
Yeah, it's you know, tough. I couldn't think of anything either. It's tough. I mean, it, you know, sometimes you play, you do like placeholder dialogue, and you're like, I'll come back to this because I'll I'll think of something about America that's not good that you know someone from Russia might not like. Yeah, I, but I'm racking my brain, and I'm yeah obviously a history teacher. You know, I've studied. I can't mm-hmm. think of a single reason. Too much freedom. It's just there. Weird. It is. Yeah, that's they hate weird. that we have too much freedom. Yeah, we did it. That's that's the silver lining. We have too much freedom in America. That's that's the episode, everybody. Um, so yeah, the, this movie and it ends up that like they think that the one villain has this file that will incriminate this other okay, bad yeah. guy Russian. Sorry, sir. I feel like we are talking around it, and I think it's entirely possible that people are listening to this who have not seen the movie so let's okay let's try to give a concise so yeah let's do that okay let's... john mcclain is he's a new york cop you know like <laughs> as well established in all of these movies but you know while the last movie was about grown up lucy and what was going on in her life this is now jack who's his son who is they're both characters that we do see in the original Die Hard. they're grown up now uh that's how time works but he he's clearly lost touch with jack uh, he he doesn't know what's going on. He's trying to find him. He gets a tip that Jack has been arrested in Russia, which it turns out Jack did on purpose because he's... Is it... Do they explicitly say CIA? I know they... Like, John McClane keeps saying spy stuff, uh, but he's... It, it might be the... and it, I, I think they do say CIA, and I think some of the promotional material yeah. referred to him as a CIA operative. So he's a CIA operative, and he's doing an undercover mission but seemingly using his real legal name which is seems like a bad idea but what do like i know James bond does yeah yeah okay so there you go it makes perfect sense then but he's he's trying to position himself uh to be in the same place as this guy who's been in jail who is set to testify uh on the day of the trial they're both in the courtroom some people launch an attack uh to kidnap the guy because he has a file that can bring important people down and they don't want him to testify, but then Jack grabs him. But then that's when John shows up and he uh, is classic, as I said, fly in the ointment, monkey in the wrench, but to his own son. And he derails the plot, but it's actually good that he derailed the plot because there's a bunch of twists and turns that turn out that like, I mean, that's I think what they're going for is that had it played out the way that Jack wanted it to, it would have been bad because of all the. The twists and turns. Yeah. Um, and so they take him to the CIA safe house uh, with Cole Hauser, who I always enjoy Cole Hauser. He's a good little character actor, small role. Um, it's more shenanigans, more I mean, gunfight. It's a small role. It's literally just that scene. So Yeah, because he gets murdered. Yep. Um, and then the Russian bad guy's daughter gets involved. And I have things to say about that. Uh, that they nailed it, right? Oh, nailed it. Um, yeah. And then eventually finds out that, like, yeah, that this file is actually a key to a vault at Chernobyl that has a bunch of weapons-grade uranium. Mm-hmm. And then John McClane and, and Jack McClane kill everybody and win. And that's the movie. Well, I if we're going to get to that part, I, I would be... I want to make sure to mention that before they kill everyone, John McClane hangs off of a helicopter for... 45 minutes and then uh at at high velocity while the helicopter is crashing plows through a 
glass you know a glass window is redundant but you know what i mean a giant like window lands in a factory and then falls several stories uh almost into a pool but it seemed to also imply that he doesn't land in the pool because he was next to the pool when jack mclean starts calling for him and then finally says dad and they reconcile oh yeah and then when they're walking home john mclean walks off a cliff but he doesn't realize that he walked off the cliff and he just keeps walking and then he holds up a sign that says yipe and then he falls and you know like because yeah at this point john mclean is not a human man like no. he's there is the amount of injuries in this movie alone that he sustained you know as an old man like he's not okay yeah yep so that's it's, that's the movie that's the movie and it's terrible um the one thing i want to say about the daughter is uh I think it's like towards the end when they're already at the Chernobyl vault, like she just gives total doomy eyes to her dad. <laughs> like just like like she just looks at like just looks at him like, yeah, daddy, I just want it. And it's it's disturbing and it's awkward and it's weird and it's uncomfortable. And then they like hug. And I, I really thought they were gonna start making out and it was gonna be that she wasn't actually his daughter. She was like his mistress or something, because why not? Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 weird and it's it's just I, I, like that's the take you use in the movie like i don't know it's it's that was the ugh. best one they shot all night and that was <laughs> the best take that was that was the most that was the most logical one they could use um also jay courtney is a terrible actor and should not be cast in things agreed and we you know we we often keep track of who has been in the movies that we've covered we could just probably go to his imdb and really watch every movie that he's been in because i don't think he's been in a movie that hasn't been maligned yeah i don't think so he uh the the other big movie he did was suicide squad and he was terrible in that mm -hmm. and that's not a good movie he was one of the worst parts in a terrible movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but at least he got to use his native Australian accent. Yeah, which we were all rooting for. So Yeah, that's what we, you know, justice for Jay Courtney. But man, he is a black hole of charisma, just sucks the energy. Like, he's just not interesting. Well, and also this was a dumb idea. Like, from the onset, I don't know why they thought this was the movie to make. I get the instinct. You did a Lucy McLean movie. So where's Jack? That's the natural question. I don't know how you picked. He's a CIA agent that is working in Russia and needs John to go save him. Yeah. I, I actually I think, think I, I was just going to say, I actually think, you know, I played the clip at the beginning, but the, the idea of like him being a drug dealer might've been more interesting. <laughs> it might've been. I mean, I think there is, there's probably a good movie you could make about Jack McClane being a cop too. Yeah, which would have made more sense, you know, or like some sort of law enforcement something. Um, that that a good movie with that as like one of the through lines definitely exists. This is not that movie. No. Um, and and it is also very logical to you know you saw what happened with Lucy, so now let's see what happens with Jack. Like that all makes sense. Um. I could see it like maybe like they could have tried to do like a passing of the torch ish thing. No, to have, <laughs> I mean, of course, but like, but I could see that idea being something that's floated. Maybe, like to, yeah. you know, um, Jay Courtney, Bruce Willis, um, 
I love Bruce Willis's body of work. Uh, I think he's great in action movies. I think he's good in comedies. I think he's, he's good in dramas. Um, I think if you were to go through my, uh, you know, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever collection, Bruce Willis movies might be the most that I have. It's possible because he's done a lot of movies that I really like. Yeah. Uh, the Die Hard series, Pulp Fiction, Fifth Element, mm-hmm. and oh. on and on and on. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but man, Jay Courtney sucks. <laughs> No, it's just, I know too. Like they, they were planning on doing another movie after this. That I think Lynn Weissman, who did the fourth movie, was supposed to re retake over. And it was the pitch was that it was like a flashback movie where Bruce Willis was going to be in it, but someone else was going to play young John McClane, and it was going to, I think, take place both in the past and in the present, like like before. Uh, the events of Die Hard, which doesn't also make any sense because nothing should have happened before the events of Die Hard. That like no, that's that's the inciting event for his yeah becoming an immortal superhuman. But uh, I I was reading up before we did this because I was curious, uh, and it looks like if that project was delayed many times, and then it looks like Disney buying 20th Century Fox officially uh, put put the end to that uh john mcclain so we this so this movie might very well be the end of so, john mcclain here's another bananas fact about this movie um is that apparently this is the only diehard script that was actually solely a diehard script <laughs> ever yeah well because so what does that include diehard 2 yes what was Die Hard uh, 2? So Die Hard 2 was based on a different novel um, that's not connected because um, Die Hard, the original Die Hard is based on a book. Right. Um, and there's a long story about how Frank Sinatra played the John McClane character in a different movie that's based on an earlier book in that series and yada, yada, yada. Ocean's Eleven. Um, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and so even Frank Sinatra had first refusal for making Die Hard, I guess, because of the character was owned by, the, you know, yada, oh, it's a whole thing. Yeah, you can yeah, read yeah. about it. It's in the world. Um, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, is based on a different book um, that they decided to use John McClane and Die Hard with it. Um, Die Hard th- with a Vengeance is based on Lethal like one of those like spec script movie called Simon Says that they were considering to be Lethal Weapon 3, but then just made it Die Hard. Yeah. Three. And then actually, uh, I do know, because Die Hard 4 is, it's an, it was based on an article, right? Like, there was actually yeah an article that talked about the, um, what do they call it? <laughs> Whatever the, the fire sale, like, the, uh, the possibility of a fire sale was like a, a, you know, like a real, like, it was like a nonfiction article, right? That, that they right. Had adapted. But I think there was also, I think someone wrote a script that yeah. wasn't a Die Hard script based on that idea and they made it a diehard movie yeah so this is the first time they actually like no we're writing this we i think we got the character now we can finally write a diehard movie that's just diehard and this is the nonsense that they turn out um (sighs) anything else we want to crap on oh yeah i don't want to forget to crap on how ugly this movie is like just and I mean that just visually, whatever coloring that they did in post-production, I 
despise. I think this movie looks yeah. very bad. It looks like they took the whole movie and just put it through one of those like bad Instagram filters. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's really ugly. Like I that was kind of hit by that of just it's definitely the worst looking aesthetically of any of the diehard films. Like it just does not it's color graded in a really weird like yeah almost like it sort of like how the matrix was color graded to specifically make like the real the matrix world unsettling it's the same idea but there's no reason for it well that's also weird because you're doing that in the fifth film in a franchise that already has a look to it that like you're you're trying to introduce a new look this late in the game for no reason and it looked terrible unless you're implying that that's what russia looks like i don't know could be, but they didn't even film in Russia. They filmed in Budapest, Hungary. So, huh. um, yeah. You mean that wasn't Chernobyl? <laughs> they no, they didn't go to Chernobyl. Um, uh, that was, by the way, that's a fun game. If you uh, live in or around Baltimore, if you watch Die Hard Four, to see how much of Baltimore they're pretending is DC. Yeah. It's you can also do that on episodes of House of Cards, uh, House of Cards and Veep. Yeah, because uh, DC doesn't really like people filming in DC and Baltimore loves people filming in Baltimore. So most things, unless it's like standing in front of the Washington Monument or something like that, most things set in DC tend to film in Baltimore because, yeah. Baltimore is like yeah come here but it's it's there's similar enough but if you know Baltimore it's you know right um it's funny to see uh you know like characters from House of Cards hang out in Fells Point and pretend that they're in bars in DC right yeah um this movie's bad um I don't know. Do we want to try it? I, I have a very slim silver lining, but you already kind of, kind of burned it because it's, it's almost like, so not a silver lining that be, like Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I love her. And I was so happy to see her. And that yeah, made me happy. I mean, again, in, I already said that like, you know, a, a very slim silver lining is that it reminded me of the film Die Hard, which I love. So Mary Elizabeth Winstead's existence reminds us that she is phenomenal in everything. She's not bad in this movie, but she's just wasted. She does two. Here's a here's another weird fact um, that there's an extended director's cut that she is not in at all. (laughs) Huh. Which I don't know how that works because she's only in two scenes. Uh, She takes her dad to the airport and then picks up her dad and her brother. Well, there's also the phone call, which was the closest like this. Oh, movie, right, right, right. Yeah. Cause the movie like doesn't have jokes, which is disappointing. Cause John McLean is usually a pretty funny character in general. And this movie like loses a lot of that, but the closest it came and it's a pretty broad, you know, kind of tropey way to go with it is he's having a phone call with Lucy while, driving and plowing into cars and she's like dad what's going on you know but like it doesn't commit to it he just goes i have to put you on hold and it's like no do not put her on hold this is the game like right you keep talking to her while you know like yeah it just bailed on the idea like it couldn't commit to actually doing it 
Yeah. Um, speaking of jokes, I think the only time I did chuckle, and it's from the scene that's in the opening, uh, but when he called him odd job, I thought that was funny. Yeah. Well, in the calling uh, Jay Courtney the the 007 of Plainfield, New Jersey, that like again, that's I me. Mean, and you watch like four when he's just like really dunking all over Kevin Smith, like obviously a very easy gear for Bruce Willis to get into, especially as he's an older John McClane is just, you know, making fun of people. And he that should be way more of that. Yeah, like that was fun. Um, so if you've if you've listened to this episode and you heard that scene, uh, and you know what Bruce Willis looks like and you know what Jay Courtney looks like, you've saved yourself uh, about an hour and fifty minutes that we uh, we ate the we bit the bullet for you, so you don't but, have to. Sorry, I know we're trying to pivot to the the silver lining part, but I want to point out too. I don't think John McClane was grumpy enough in this movie no and he should be so grumpy yeah because he's grumpy in the first one and it should only be getting worse and also like you really missed out on him making fun of the villains which is always good like yeah it's just you guys because the the villains were such non-entities in this one no and that's that's been a strength again die hard 2 doesn't really have a super memorable villain but like one, three, and four definitely have really good actors playing really cool villains that like it that that you know, when we talked about all the the things that sort of make a diehard, part of it is the interaction between John McClane and the villain. Like they need to be talking during the thing, you know. They need to have at least the one scene. Yes. Or the couple of scenes. Um yeah, like one of the best moments in the original Die Hard is when Gruber and McLean meet face to face and Alan Rickon puts on the Texas accent and they do the whole thing. Like, yeah, that scene's great. That's like one of the best yeah. non-action scenes in that movie. Bill um, Clay. Yeah. And moments like that are just like what this movie doesn't have. Yeah. I also, I feel like the, again, I think this movie, they just didn't they didn't try very hard to do anything that they were doing because like there were a few hints at the idea that like Jack thinks that he knows everything, but his dad has a bag of tricks that he might not be familiar with, but like never in any meaningful way. It just like comes up like a couple of times throughout the movie. And apparently his dad's one meaningful trick is bribery. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's bribery and figuring out that the villain is the villain kind of yeah it's i'm so like being reminded that there are good movies in the world that's such a crappy silver lining is i can't let this movie beat us i kind of liked when the guy danced because it was weird and bad and i enjoyed that yeah um I thought the the like the armored car action sequence was good. The opening one, like the first, like the first one in Russia. Yeah, like that scene that was a good action scene. That was pretty good. I also, <laughs> it's weird to say that there are multiple helicopter shooting at them scenes, but the first helicopter shooting at them scene. The one not at Chernobyl. The one not at Chernobyl that took place during the daytime when they jumped out of the window that time. I actually thought that was shot pretty well. Like, I like the way that they they went through the window. And they they used the fire escapes and, like, the construction slides and all that to get out. And, like, that was cool. 
I mean, but I I hate to... There's so many movies that do action better in the Die Hard series. I can think of four off the top of my head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that is the biggest thing is that... You know, well, it's also... The Die Hard series has gotten so ridiculous at this point. And one of the things I really didn't like about Die Hard 4 was the whole fighter jet, like, shooting at a truck, which was just dumb and shouldn't have happened. But, like, you've kind of covered everything you've done helicopters you've done you know big trucks you've done you like every version of the you know vehicles attacking people um you know it what might as well be a transformers movie at this point maybe does this count as a silver lining that yes uh, one of the things that bugs me about die hard 4 is that it came out during the time when they were trying to water down R-rated movies to make them PG-13. And so uh, as a result, like the whole movie itself is kind of done in cartoonish violence versus like you can't really see blood like it kind of, it does all that. But also you can't really say fuck in a movie that's PG-13. You can get away with one as uh, maybe people learned from Hamilton. If you watched that on Disney Plus, like... You're allowed to have one and still get a PG-13, but in that movie, when he says, yippee Kaye, motherfucker, it's kind of muffled by the gunshot at the end, and it's like... Yeah. So, so he did say it again. So he said it in this movie and got to say it clearly, and also, like, so, I mean, it's not a great silver lining, but the fact that they were allowed to make an R-rated movie again, which is what it should be, and they didn't have to you know, water down John McClane's salty language. Yeah. That it was nice to hear the F word again. It always, you know, I mean, Hey, Blake, I do have that, you know, the meme where, uh, it's from, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood and it's, um, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio with the beer in his hand and he points at the screen. That's that's how I feel when John McClane says yippee ki motherfucker in, in these movies. Like, I'm like, I know what's happening. Yeah, that's... It wasn't that's earned. It wasn't earned at all in this movie. And it... it It's the worst one, right? Like, it's... Because... Let, oh, unequivocally. Let, let's take a moment. Uh, and again, maybe this is a silver lining that I get to think about all of these. So, first... Di- spoilers for all the diehards, by the way. But uh, first Die Hard, obviously. Well, also, people misremember this, but he actually says Happy Trails Hans when he shoots him uh, at the end. But he says yippee ki motherfucker, like, I don't know, two-thirds of the way through the movie on the radio. Uh, because he, he gets... Because he's like, John McClane doesn't get to he ride off. He gets called and, Roy Rogers, yeah. Well, he gets called uh, John Wayne, and he corrects Han to tell him that the movie he's thinking of is actually Roy Rogers. Right. So that's the first one. The second one is the plane is taking off and it's leaking gasoline and he takes the lighter out and does it and blows up the plane as it's taking off, which is cool. The third one, I like that movie, but the end is kind of muddled with the helicopter. Yeah, he like he triggers some Rube Goldbergian thing to kill. (laughs) Yeah, it's very Final Destination, but he's like low on bullets and he shoots some telephone lines or some power lines and somehow gets those power lines to hit the blades of a helicopter. But he says the line, uh, as they blow up the fourth one, I actually truly love. I think it's the end of the fourth one. I really enjoy Cause again, I yeah. really love Timothy Oliphant, but it's it, he, Timothy Oliphant has a gun pointed to John McClane's ch- like he's wrapped himself around him and he's pointed a gun at him. 
and he's saying your tombstone should say always in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he takes the gun, aims it at his own shoulder and maneuvers himself so that he shoots himself in the shoulder while shooting Timothy Oliphant like in the head and then goes, I prefer yippee Kaye, motherfucker. And then like says that as he shoots himself and then the infinitely charismatic Mary Elizabeth Winstead gets to say, Hey dad, you just shot yourself. And he's like, don't tell the paramedics when they get here that I did that. <laughs> um yeah and then he says this one right before the bad guy falls through helicopter blades right yeah so this one the after having given bedroom eyes at her dad um and being rebuffed the the villain turns into a nonsensical cartoon woman who's gonna kill herself to ram her helicopter into the building that they're in and uh but like yeah he but he says it does he say it then or he says it when yeah because her dad no he says it earlier because it's actually uh jay courtney that kills right right right. bad guy yeah he says it but yeah the guy goes into the helicopter blades yeah yeah it's i don't know it's not good it's not even we can't even remember it like when we're sitting here and i can remember the one from die hard 2 that i haven't seen in over a decade like yeah i've I haven't watched Die Hard 2 in a long time. Yeah. But I'll, I'll watch Die Hard with a Vengeance, yeah. which also has some nostalgia for me because I think I'm pretty sure it was the first R-rated movie I saw in the theaters. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because <laughs> I remember, I, I wish I could remember what movie I saw, but I actually saw a movie with a friend of mine while my brother was seeing Die Hard with a Vengeance in the theater and we like snuck in and I watched the end of Die Hard with a Vengeance you know, because I like whatever year that came out, we we were not of an age of being allowed to see. No, and I I remember seeing it as part of a friend's birthday party, and there's no reason. Like the parents must have bought the tickets, <laughs> and then let us just go in or something. I don't know how it happened, but it was probably like sixth grade ish, um, which is too young to see an R-rated movie in the theaters. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, I I mean, my, I specifically have that memory that my friend and I snuck in just to, and it was like, seriously, the end of the movie is what we saw. I think they were on the boat by the time we came yeah. in. Yeah. Because whatever, I really wish I could remember what we saw, but whatever we saw was shorter because that movie's like over two hours. So, right. Um, yeah, it's. All right. So, oh, by the way. Fun fact that I, I, I want to make sure to get here. <laughs> this is not a silver lining, but I saw this movie, uh, A Good Day to Die Hard, in the theater. And fun fact, I fell asleep in the middle of it. That's what you want out of an action movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, maybe that was a silver lining that I got a good little nap in the middle. Good nap. You can never downplay a good nap. Let me tell you. The thing was, I woke um, up and I didn't really feel like I had missed anything. Because you hadn't. Yeah. All right, so there's a couple of decent action scenes. Yep. Which I feel like shouldn't count in a Die Hard movie. It's the same way that like John Williams' score shouldn't count for a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, although Duel of the Fates, you know, that's special, so that counts extra. But um, being reminded of better actors and better movies. Yeah, the the fact that you know, this this gave us an excuse to reminisce about diehards of old. 
Yeah, is is the silver lining of this that's like, oh, wait, I don't have to watch this. I can just watch Die Hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, the silver lining for our listeners is if you haven't seen this, you don't need to now. Like we, we Yeah, um, this is the first time I would, of all the movies we've watched, it's like, don't bother. It's just such a non-movie. Like, yeah. it's not offensively bad in any way. It's not like, other than the weird color grading, it's fairly competently made, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, the action scenes are pretty, are pretty interesting. Uh, Bruce Willis, I mean, at this point can pretty much phone in a John McClane performance. That's at least, which decent. he does. He definitely phones which he in. Sure does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jay Courtney's terrible and shouldn't be cast in things. Nope. Uh, but that's not a silver lining. That's, and that's the harshest we've been to any actor on the show so far. Yeah. And I, I, I stand by it. I stand by it too. You yeah. know, you can, you can at us or whatever, but, um, if there's some Jay Courtney stands out there that want to try to defend him, <laughs> Mom, mama Courtney, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she's a fan. Maybe. Um, I know she listens to the pod, so, you know, she might get back to us about that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I will say I was genuinely happy to see Mary Elizabeth Winstead like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm that always made, happy to see her for sure. Uh, um, like that I said, made me really happy just because I didn't expect her to be in it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and also, like I said, you know, R rating, like they went for the R. Uh, I give them credit for Brought that. Brought it back to being an R. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. I, it was kind of fun, that one scene where he was cranky. Yeah, the, the one at the CIA safe house. Yeah. Cole Hauser cameo. That's always nice. He's yeah. I like him. He was good in Goodwill Hunting and Pitch Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, reminded of superior movies watching this. Um, being disturbed by the daughter giving bedroom eyes to her dad. Like, that was just a weird thing. <laughs> that like, And her character made no sense to be in the movie either, just other than to like include some, some TNA a little bit, I guess. Well, and her character was booked like a WWE, you know, superstar in terms of like, you know, she had a heel turn, then a reverse, and then a, you know, like she went face heel, face heel in the span of this movie. It's like the movie starred the big show for our wrestling fans out <laughs> yeah. there. But like, yeah, no, whirlwind with her. Um, yeah, I, I I don't like, it feels thin, but you know, it's again, it's a movie that has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, There must have been just some big time diehard, like big diehard fans that just gave it remotely positive reviews to get that 15%. You know, there's no reason, like, especially with Rotten Tomatoes, that's sort of a binary rating system. Yeah. You know, what's crazy. uh, This is a, we got to end the show. This is a side. There's a, there's a film critic that I've tracked for a long time named Peter Travers, who uh, he, he loves giving pull quotes to movies. Like anytime there's a bad movie that somehow has a good quote, it's always Peter Travers. He hated because it's this. a high octane thrill ride. Yeah, exactly. But he hated this movie, and I, that got me. I was like, if you lost <laughs> Travers, like you're in trouble. Like, you know. So hey, whoa, maybe that's a silver lining. It was. That, it, it was, was so a movie, bad that even Peter Travers couldn't. Yeah, that Peter Travers actually quote? had to write a negative review of a film. <laughs> maybe that's. 
Although I didn't, a possibility. Re- I didn't read the review. It probably said like this action packed high octane thrill ride is not good. So they probably right. still like got a poster quote from him. They got a poster quote from yeah Peter Travers. Uh, this is the closest we've come to being defeated, but I'm not going to count it. I'm going to call it a draw, maybe. No, but we. I think we did it. Let's let's see where we're at. But I think so. We've got reminds us that good diehards exist. Yep, that's the silver lining. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Always a silver lining. One scene where John McClane is cranky. Where John McClane is John McClane. Yeah. The good, the good like James Bond jokes and odd job stuff. Um, did I say the R rating? Did the I mention R rating? <laughs> yeah. That, so we got to hear Yippie Kaye motherfucker. Yeah. That's enough, right? It's we're not going to get any better. Yeah, we we didn't say. We never set out when uh, you and I made a blood oath to uh, to do this show to, you know. <laughs> it's weird that to, we had to do it by mail. That was Yeah, awkward. it was it was weird. We And then we mailed, the, the blood got lost in the mail. It was, a, that, we don't have time for that. I, I did learn I have 4% Mongolian roots. So, you know, that's the <laughs> other upside of that. <laughs> yeah, always excited. Uh, but... We never said that like we have to redeem the film or the film. We just have to find a silver lining, and we found multiple silver linings. Then we did it. Okay, we're yeah. we're twelve and zero. I think. Not to mention, look, I don't want to have to pull this out in this episode, but we always do have that ripcord. That the silver lining, the real silver lining, is the friends we made along the way. That's true. So, I think we did it. I think we. I think we did too. Yeah. So, yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers. Is that our new sign-off? Sure. Great. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We Have to Ask. It's the podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We Have have to Ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peaksloft Network at peaksloft.com. Peaksloft.